Welcome to the Jesus Said Love podcast. This is a space where we talk about what it means to awaken hope and empower change. Listen, for over a decade, Em and I have been fostering relationships with men and women who've been impacted by the commercial sex industry. And it's through those relationships that Jesus Said Love was born. We figured it was time to talk about what this ministry has taught us and is still teaching us along the way. I promise it's going to be a place of conversation and story. And we hope you learn something new. Maybe you see something in a new way. Fun fact, you're going to hear music because Brett and I are musicians. Yep. We can't just talk. Nope. we got to sing and play too. We do. Here's the deal, guys. Our hope is that as you hear these stories, that you'll tap into your own story and that you'll be encouraged to live and love well like Jesus. Well, we are back after a week's break. Woo. How you feeling? I feel like it's been a week. <laughs> I feel like it's been a month. It feels like a long week, a good, long, trying, courageous week. I agree. But I mean, I guess maybe what I'm trying to say is it feels like a month since I've sat in this chair right? with you sitting on that couch and us just looking at each other with... Princess Leia headphones on. I know, right? It's kind of fun. It is fun. It's fun to be back and it's fun to kind of put some language around what we're doing. And I want to give everybody an update really quick before we dive into this week's subject about Linda. Um, You guys heard the story of Linda from her very own words as she was getting ready to head into recovery and into rehab. And um, she has nearly completed her 30-day treatment and is looking at long-term housing. I got a picture yesterday, and she just looks so different. I mean, just... So um, cool. I mean, just clean and clear. And, of course, we know that the the journey continues, right? And so we're going to be following her story. We're going to be looking really at this like micro lens of what it looks like for a woman who has struggled with addiction most of her adult life, um, a human trafficking survivor to really navigate all these big systems and where to go and what to do and, and what her hope looks like in that. Well, I heard her on the phone the other day, and y'all were talking, and she sounds so clear. She just, sounds so different. I know. Isn't she still amazing? has her wonderful humor. Amazing. And yeah. It's just, it's so fun. Yeah. So Linda's not her real name, but now everyone in rehab calls her Linda, and she loves it. Do they really? It. <laughs> <laughs> and she loves it. She's laughed so hard at it. So, um, That's it's awesome. just really exciting. So, what, well, and what we're going to talk about, you know, in this week's podcast really could be applied, not just organizationally, but this could be applied to addiction or this could be applied to personal setbacks as well. Because we're talking about a really big subject that has gained a lot of attention recently. I think with Brene Brown doing her work on shame and vulnerability and the Netflix special and things like that, we're kind of looking at this topic. So we are going to talk about what, Brett? Dun, dun, dun. Failure. Failure. We're going to talk about facing failure. It's important because what does it mean when we fail, right? And what can we learn from it as people or as an organization? And really what's our posture toward failure? A lot of us have different postures just that we're naturally hardwired for survival, how we respond to it. But um, I want to list off some failures. Not not failures that I'm just saying broad. Are they my failures? No, are no, you no, fixing no, the air no, or no, laundry? No, no, 
I will not. I will do the laundry. I will so not air out. I will do the laundry. No, (laughs) you are ridiculous. Um, I wasn't going to go there. I'm talking about big F failures. Okay. Big F and failures. I'm just saying the big F. Okay. So we've got personal failures. Mm. Just these are just when you just sucked it personally. Mm Parenting failures. Oh. Woo. Had one of those, right? We we had a long talk with one of our daughters yesterday. It was a beautiful moment, but we had to dive head in to Ooh. where I personally, parenting-wise, failed her. So that's tough. Uh, fundraising failures. Ugh. Moral failures. Mm-hmm. Ethical failures. Hiring and firing failures aspirational failures, like where you feel like you're aspiring to be something and do something and then you don't. Uh, Failure for a business to launch, failure to gain traction, failure to scale, failure in board management, failure in mobilizing volunteers, communication failures. Those can Mm. be across personality or those can be um, you know, boss to employee, or those can be volunteer or staff organizationally wide, or how do you, how you're communicating or not communicating to your audience. So all these are wrapped up in the big F word that we usually try to avoid. But I want to ask you, Brett, as we tackle this, what does failure mean to you? Like if you have to define what does failure mean to me? So just off the cuff, I'm going to say that failure is not meeting the mark or the goal that you have set for yourself mm-hmm. in a specific situation. Mm-hmm. That said, I would also say that failure is part of success. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe that. Sure. As much as I hate failure, I've grown over the years to love it. Because those are failure is an opportunity for us to learn. It's not an opportunity to end what we're doing or end who we are. Or I'm a parent. That's not going to end, right? Even when I fail, it's not going to end. We're human, right? So that's kind of you said something. I've learned to love failure. That's kind of strong to me to say that. Um, because also I know you personally. So you do. <laughs> I you mean, do like, know me I know how you personally interpret failure, right? Because it, it is it, no matter how objective we try to be about the things we set our feet to and set our hands to do and our hearts to do, there's a personal toll it takes. So we have to do like work around that. Sure. And how do you believe? You know, you said learning to live failure has been like a learning process. It doesn't happen overnight. So. What is your kind of wiring response? What's your hardwired response to believe about when you fail? Well, so as an eight on the Enneagram, I, um, first of all, I feel failure in my body. Mm -hmm. Like I feel it. I have a guttural response to whether it's a small failure, as in we send out a newsletter and there's misspellings or there's... Mm -hmm you know, mispunctuation. Mm-hmm. I, I even have a, a guttural response to that. But like larger failures where it mm. almost feels humiliating, mm. like, oh, what an idiot I am. Mm. I run this tension of wanting to hide mm-hmm. and go to my five space where you can't get me. Mm-hmm. 
Um, won't take a risk anymore. I, no, I don't have I don't, enough to give. No. I don't, yeah. Versus, okay, I need to sit in this hot tub of leadership and mm-hmm. learn, learning ship mm-hmm. and go, okay, it's hot. I can feel it. I'm sweating, but this is good for me. It's good for my, it's just, it's good for my growth. It's mm-hmm. good. It's, it's actually not about my shame. It right. doesn't have shame. I, I'm the one that has attached shame to it. Not the failure in and of itself doesn't attach shame. Well, and you have, we all have personally had a shame identity surrounding failure, but the truth of the matter is our culture does not really know how to honor failures. Right. We string people up. We call them bad names. We put them on the dog list. We down with the, you know, I mean, we're critical. We are judgmental toward people who are failing. Um, and especially people who continue, who continue to fail. Cause you're kind of like, what you not learning here, you know? So, well, and there's certain failures too, that we elevate above. Exactly. I mean, if you got a moral failure, look out, you're done. Yeah. I mean, you, there's there, in this country, there's no, well, unless you're certain people with <laughs> certain money levels or right. <laughs> positions of power, I guess you can get away with some right. moral failures. But on the whole, you know... But if, you're still crucified, and to a, in a sense, we have no empathy. It's like empathy is removed where we've deemed someone a failure. Yeah, like you have failed at life. Yeah, like you are a failure instead of you you failed to accomplish X, Y, or Z, or you failed to do your job well, or this was an area of weakness. Um, and I think that I think that matters because as we as we talk about failure... Our responses to it, we have a couple of choices to really look courageously at how we can learn and how we can grow or really listen to the noise of others and really listen to the noise of the world. And instead of, you know, for us as a faith-based organization, tapping into what does God say about me? What did I feel committed to that I set out to do this? Or where did I kind of rebel against or not honor what God had put in me? Where was I negligent, you know, in this? And and I didn't, it wasn't successful because I actually didn't do what I knew to be true and right, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I do think we have to look at those two voices. So this is a quote that, um, well, first of all, failure is the definition is a lack of success. It can also mean negligence. So a failure can be negligent or it, like omission, you know, you missed something or it can just mean, hey, it was a lack of success. There's partial failures and total failures. There's wins and losses and everything. But you know, we mentioned Brene Brown earlier. If you haven't watched her Netflix special and you've never even read a book, go watch the Netflix special. It's kind of a overall. I mean, you'll hear a lot of the familiar data and lingo and stories in a very personal way. But we read her books as a staff organization to really learn how to tap into some of these more human understanding, really grow empathy for each other and for the world and um, how to be courageous, how to, how to go at it when no one else is going at these things with you, which requires great risk and great courage. Um, But kind of the backbone quote that she uses is the Theodore Roosevelt Quote that says this It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, 
whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Mm, I needed to hear that. Yeah. What stuck out to you? The blood, the sweat, and the mar. Mm -hmm. I, um, I think it's easy to point people's failures out from a distance from yeah, the stands. The cheap seats is what she calls it. Mm-hmm. And that's easy to do. Right. But when you're that man or woman down there in the ring and you, your muscles are sore and you do have that blood, sweat and tears into something that flopped. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something big about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I, I I just I admire people who who are willing to take risks. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think about freaking um, uh, Apple guy. I'm totally blanking on his name. Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. I mean, we wouldn't be having this podcast right now if he hadn't taken risks and failed. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. We wouldn't have these computers for phones or mm-hmm. watches that talk for you or whatever. Yeah. You know. I think for me, the, um, the constant reminder that I'm faced with, because I often internally second guess myself, I can think, I can think my way out of 500 scenarios of why I shouldn't move forward. Um, and it's not actually self doubt for me. I actually am very assured that a lot of times what I'm thinking or what I'm believing feels like very right and very true. It's about what it's going to take to get there and what are people going to think about it. I mean, really, it's perfectionism in the ugliest form. It is about perception of of others. And so I've, the part that gets to me is there is no effort without error and shortcoming, you know, but these, this, this space is, the credit really belongs to people who know great enthusiasms, great devotions, who spends himself or herself in a worthy cause. And I feel like we do know because we've set our face like flint toward the mission and vision of Jesus said love, we have known great success and we have known high achievement. You know, we have tasted what it looks like now, how that's defined by other people, right? Like we don't know. Yeah. I mean, what, what we might find success, someone else might think that's not what we, I mean, we've got great failures yeah. over the, over the past 15 plus years. But, but, but well. where we failed, we, we were daring greatly. That's the whole point, right? Yeah. Of the yeah. book is that we didn't fail. And, and really, do you ever fail without effort? I mean, you've made an effort. Failure means you set out to do something. 
Yeah. I mean, you, you moved, you we, know? Yeah, like, absolutely. Way to go. Um, the past week, we faced some failures head on. So here's the interesting thing. This whole podcast conversation could be a failure, right? It, I think that almost every week. <laughs> it could be a failure. We could be talking about this and, and it could be like, yeah, that didn't resonate. Or it could be something where it's like, um, you know, why did y'all talk about that? Uh, did you really need to go there? That really didn't make you guys look very well. <laughs> so I'm sitting here thinking like, we are going to tackle, we're going to talk kind of personally about a failure that, that we had. And we're going to do that. It's, it's a little bit tricky. Um, but we just, we don't know any other way to be other than authentic. And we're figuring out as we go. And that's true for all of us. And I feel like even though we don't know all of you that are listening to this, if we can start putting some language to this and finding a sense of community around some harder topics, it will help us all talk about these things better with the people in our own circles and in our own lives. Um, and hopefully you can use this as a conversation starter with your friends to gain um, empathy and, and interest in one another's lives, you know, because failure is something we can all identify with. Well, then, and what a great place to be able to fail and it not feel like I'm ruined for the rest of my life. It's I failed and there's people going, ah, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Let me help you. Let me get you a towel. Let me get you some water. Yeah. Let's get up. Let's look at the growing edges and let's try something else different. Yeah. So this past week, um, we had some failures in terms of communication within our staff and team oversight. We had a team leader in one of our cities who didn't feel invested in, didn't feel connected to the work that she was doing in her city. And that conversation happened in front of a potential ministry partner, a potential church partner. Okay, so let me <laughs> let me set this up as best as I heard. I don't want to like totally. I, I, I want to hear. I want to ask how you feel about this. So, so you've gone to this city. You've gone to meet with our leader, who's a volunteer, yes, and she's totally. relatively new to yeah. our to our organization. And you're sitting down with a large church who is potentially going to be a partner. Financially, which usually means gift. volunteers and financial yeah. capacity, and so you sit down with our team leader, and they begin to fire off not the questions you were kind of prepared for that you mm-hmm. thought were going to be fired off, oh, no. but they began straight to the intrusive oh, questions yeah. of you I was know, in the hot seat. How's your board? Who's on your board? What are your How, financials? You know, what are your financials? Mm-hmm. And, that, and we know we get, eventually get there, but usually there's a little small talk. You got to ease into that. And I kind of did, but they were really. Reserved, And now that I'm looking back on it, I know why they were reserved because we came to this meeting with two different sets of expectations mm-hmm. of what the meeting was going to be about. So as I'm, quote, pitching, I've got the lovely pop-up show behind me. I've got our cards of like what we're doing in Waco for HQ and like, you know, giving them kind of the, this is so exciting and here's what we could potentially do in your I city. I mean, you, you look good. Sure. I mean, the product you're bringing looks good. My but what you don't know, me. what you don't know is they already have some preconceived ideas about who we are. And not just preconceived ideas, but experiences mm. with a team that was flailing, with communication that was disastrous. And, and they point blank outed those things in front of my city team leader volunteer. And so my choice in that moment 
was spin. How do I spin this? To look perfect, to look like a good leader, to look and project like I'm someone I'm not, or to own it. So they looked at our team leader and they said, team leader, do you feel adequately supported and trained? By HQ. By HQ at Jesus Said Love. And she says... Well, kind of. Ooh. And what does your one gut do? Oh, I just, this is the worst. Like, oh my gosh, this is so happening right now. So you have a volunteer, in <laughs> essence, throwing, <laughs> throwing the founder under the bus. Sure. In an honest way. Sure. She, did, she didn't want to, but she was. And she had to answer the question. Yeah, and and so the integrity core of me is like I can't I'm not going to spin this. Like the question becomes like how do I own this? Not like am I going to try to cover this up? I mean, I had a choice to cover it up, but there's really no covering it up. That's what I know. And so then my choice was like what's my posture now? Defensiveness or um yeah, blame. Yeah, do I blame? You, you do I blame our on, staff? You do I blame it on the staff person that was, was supposed to be overseeing? Right. Or do I just own it? And so my my choice was to completely out myself. And so I said to the really incredible missions pastor and woman's pastor who are so credentialed, who have such incredible skill sets and eyes on the ministries that they partner with. I looked at them and I said, this is totally our fault. And I take complete ownership of the lack of communication from HQ to you guys as potential ministry partners and as people who've partnered with us in food and certain gifts and things like that. Um, and I take responsibility for my volunteer. And the truth of the matter is we definitely have undergo- have undergone some growing pains and some staff changes within the past three months. And that's still my fault. I could blame shift. I could make this about someone else's failure. But ultimately, I wasn't checking in either. And that's a problem. Um, Brett wasn't checking in. And that's a problem. So this is all on us. Wait, and so you threw me under the bus too? Us, yes, because we're co-leading. Mm. Guess what happens? Um, and so I just said, this is on us. And, and in that moment, literally everyone breathes a sigh of relief. I kind mm. of felt like I was going to just get teary-eyed or you know cry. And everyone breathes a sigh of relief. And they said to me, wow, um, we partner with a lot of people. And your integrity and purity of heart in this is really remarkable. Hmm. And then we, we talked about other things. We, they said at the, by the end of the meeting, I mean, there was no promises, but it was like by the end of the meeting, they were like, well, since you guys are taking this next year, this summer, and then through the next year to evaluate your programs and staffing and what it's going to look like, why don't you get your finan- your current financials to us and let's see what we can do to help you in the meantime. You know, n- no promises, but it wasn't a total loss. I mean, there was hugs and a prayer after and, and it was... So you're saying your 
willingness to be humble and vulnerable and honest in the midst of a failure totally turned the situation around? I felt like, I know it did for me. I felt like it did overall because even my volunteer and I, after the meeting was over and the leadership left, we had such a great authentic conversation to which she felt like, Emily, I just didn't know if I should come to you or not. Like I didn't know. I thought I had to communicate with this person. And when I wasn't getting the answers that I wanted from them, I didn't know that I could call you directly. I didn't know that I could reach out to you or to Brett and just ask these questions. And so again, that's where it's like, oh my gosh, we just had this moment of reconnection. And it just made me realize how hard and how important constant communication and contact is mm-hmm. with a growing team of people. And that's been a struggle for us. That That has always been a struggle, being here in HQ. And then, yeah, how do we communicate with the other cities um, that's happening so they're not completely independent? So that was my big whoop-de-doo. Um, and then how about the, the one that you're really, really, I mean, and I, I'm, I'm going to say I'm, I'm feeling it too, but you're feeling it in a different way. So let's talk about Wild Torch. Wild Torch. So yeah, bring us up to speed a little bit. So uh, we had Wild Torch last Tuesday. Yes. Brand new event. This is year five and we decided. But what, what do you mean it's a brand new event? It was a brand new event. We took it to the streets. Mm-hmm. We, it was uh uh, at a different location than it's been the past four years. Um, we took a lot of risks, a lot of big risk, a lot of small risk. We took a big risk in moving the venue. That mm-hmm. was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, we took a big risk in bringing in an artist that potentially could have been a little controversial for mm. some of our donors. Mm. Um, that was a risk. Well, and maybe, I mean, they for sure didn't necessarily know him. Right. Um, but we also took little risks, like mm-hmm. like this one. And this was my, all me. Um, it was uh, Wild Torch happened the day after Earth Day. So I thought, well, as a little effort to be a part of the Earth Day experience, we're going to do all we can to cut down on the papers that we hand out. You know, at a lot of these events, there's lots of papers. There's informational cards and there's um, donor cards. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought one of the things we'll do is we'll save a little bit of money, mm-hmm. save some trees, and we will do away with the donor card. Okay. Like the... Yeah. Where you put everything down and, and we'll go to text to give. Okay. So I just, some of our listeners don't even know like what Wild Torch is because maybe they didn't listen to our previous episode. So we're talking about Wild Torch is a fundraising event that raises funds and raises awareness through the visual and performing arts for Jesus Said Love. So yeah, it's, it's our annual fundraising kind of, gala. Yeah, it's kind of a fundraising experience, a fundraising gala. But it is the only event we do the in the year to raise yes. funds. And it's always a big time. And we have really high capacity givers. And then we also have kind of a mix of of um, you know, income levels there. We've got the, you know, cheap tickets you can get and sit up at the front. But this year we really wanted to do something different where it could feel more like an all play in some ways. Yeah. Which is why we took it outside. So what did we learn from this? And why, why are, why, let's just talk about the fact. Was it a success or failure? Well, it all depends on what you define success exactly. as. Exactly. So this is so what we're learning on, about failure. That's right. On, on some hands, it was a 
home run out of the park. The I wins mean, and losses. It was supposed to storm that day, yeah. and it ended up being a beautiful evening. I mean, the temperature People was like had California. A great it was time. gorgeous. Um, the turnout was, I mean, it was packed. Yeah. Um, we had more people than we've ever had at Wild Torch mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Um, the the reviews we've gotten from people. As far as the been, experience and the feel and the community and... From the event standpoint. Yeah, from going to an event. It was great. I mean, we had valet parking. We've never had that before. People yeah. love... I mean, just all these things. So what failed about it? Well, we're... I haven't finished the numbers yet. <laughs> I should finish that today. So as a fundraising... But as a gala, fund... When fundraising is a significant component of the event. Yeah. Um, it's going to come in really less than what it has been in the years past. Right. And I think the reason why I feel like that is a failure is not the exact number. Mm-hmm. It's the it's execution points on our end mm. that we didn't think about mm-hmm. because... It's a new event, yeah. and we didn't know to think about those things, mm-hmm. and that's what feels like the failure. Mm-hmm. Um, if we ra- if we walk away and raise twenty thousand dollars, that's not a failure. Mm-hmm. That's twenty thousand dollars we didn't have. Mm-hmm. But if we walk away and we raise twenty thousand dollars when we could have raised fifty, mm-hmm. if we would have thought about A, B, C, and D. Mm-hmm. That's where I fight that feeling of failure. Yeah. Because that means we left money on the table mm-hmm. because we didn't make it easy enough for people to participate by yeah. giving. So organizationally, one of the things that we think about when we think of a gala experience or a fundraising event is there has to be a way to communicate the message clearly. There, No matter who you are or what your event is, right? Your communication has to be super clear. Why you do what you do, what the impact you're having, you know, what's the problem and what's your impact, what's your solution to the problem. And so if you can follow that formula, then and you can make everybody in the audience the hero because they're giving toward fixing this quote problem or whatever it is, then then you simplify your message, you've clarified it, people buy in and and it's a win. So what was the problem for Wild Torch this year that wasn't in the years past? We were in several different locations. Mm-hmm. Um, there was not one single moment where everyone was completely together in one space to hear the message. By the time we got to the main stage, which was out in the middle of the street, um, the, by the time we got to the point to hear some stories mm-hmm. and to f- have that final ask you know, to be a part of, some people had already left. And the video projector didn't work. The video projector so, didn't work. And so, so this informational audio, video, yeah, this informational video about what problem. we do and our measurables, yeah. it failed. Yep. It just, it did not communicate yeah. what we worked so hard on to communicate. Right. Um, and we had decided, being, you know, it was a... It was one event in three locations. Yeah, right there together, and so we had created experiences in you each. You mean three? Lo- yeah, you're saying location, but I just want to give listeners a visual. So we shut down a city street, and on one side of the street is one venue, on the other side of the street is another venue. Each of which our meals are happening, VIP meal experiences, on the street itself. So in the middle of those two locations for food, in the middle of the street, there's a stage. There's a, there's photo opportunities through the garden. 
there's chairs set up, there's food trucks, restrooms. So there's like this street party happening. And then on either side of the street party, there's two VIP parties as well. And the goal was for the VIPs to finish whatever their time was and they're eating separate auctions, separate micro things happening over there and then come together for the main show and the main experience. But it didn't happen that way because people were having fun and they were outside. Yeah. I mean, you're standing in the parking lot at Milo and it's a lovely evening Yeah, and maybe you don't want to hear a rap artist as loud as it was. Yeah. Because you're talking to somebody. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we we had we had thought through creating story experiences at each each location, each, location. each of the VIP locations. Yeah. What we didn't realize was how loud it was going to be at each location. Yes. And we didn't have adequate sound. Right. So half the people at one place had no idea the auction was even going on because they couldn't hear the guy going. Hey, bada, 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 bada. They couldn't hear that. Right. So they couldn't participate. So. Yeah. You know that that's a fail on our end. I mean, and and, it, and you see that in the numbers as well. Our auction this year is drastically less mm-hmm. than it has been in years past. The online auction or the auctions at each location? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, and I think um, so. Okay. So, if we look at that whole thing, because I don't want to spend too much more time on it, but we look at that whole thing. There's a couple of things I think about. Um, there were some wins in it as far as connection, community. People loved the outdoor event feel. Um, so we've gained some insight as far as like net now, like we know we can pull off and do an event like that. Absolutely. So we know it, it, what it costs or we know how we can reduce some of those costs too. But we also know like this is fun and Waco doesn't really have something kind of like this at this location. I don't think they'd ever shut down that street before. So that was a first that we worked with the city on. That's a win. Like we could go back and do something a little bit different there if we wanted to. Um, but how do we, how do we evaluate? What are some thoughts on what we can learn and how we evaluate our failures from wild torture? How do you evaluate your failures within your organization? If you've got a big pitch, if you've got a big sales team meeting, if you've got a big conference that you're putting on in your business, what are um, your evaluative measures for that? One of the things um, that I think Proverbs 15.22 says Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. And so sometimes we have to ask ourselves, did we ask the right questions? And did we ask the right questions of the right people? Right. Did we get enough counsel when we were about to take a big risk? So that's the first question is, are you getting enough counsel? Are you getting counsel from people who see things totally different than you do? Like Brett and I are creatives. We want the creative experience. We, we, we like to make community impact. We want to do things that are out of the box. But we still have to realize most people need really simplified forms, need simple. They're, they're not going to really get into super conceptual things. They're going to need you to spell out A, B, and C in order to give. Yeah, if you've got adults at your event in Central Texas and a third of them are, you know, 40 and above. Yeah. To think that you're going to get them to pull out their phones and text to give. Exactly. Is really kind yeah. of naive. And so the question is like, did we ask 
did we ask any of our older folks that we know come to JSL every single year and give? Did we ask them, hey, if we had this feature, would you do it? No, we didn't do that. You know? We didn't know to do that. Yeah. Well, we That's know a now. failure. I mean, we definitely know now. <laughs> and we've seen the results of it. And so we know well, that we have to ask. We have, yeah, we've got to have the right questions and asking those questions to the right people. For lack, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. At the end of the day, we're always going to make the decision that we know is right in our hearts. You're not going to please everybody. It's not about pleasing everybody. It's it's about gathering enough information so you can take a calculated risk, right? Um, and speaking of risk, another reason we failed, we had a meeting with a donor and, and friend yesterday who is so opposite than we are. I mean, like in some wonderful ways, just the way he sees things and perceives <laughs> things. And he always comes through the front door. And what I appreciate about this donor is he's like, hey, let's, let me take you guys to lunch. And we knew like, oh my gosh. He hey, is going if to. If you're going to bust somebody's ass, at yes. least buy their lunch. Yes. And so one <laughs> of the things he said that I was really valuable is we're kind of eating uh, barbecue and, you know, swallowing our pride. And as he said, you know, I love that you guys take risks, but you took like, you took like four risks all at once. You didn't just take one huge risk. You took like all the risks all at once. And I thought, that is so good. That's so it good. Was, so yeah. we've got to be more calculated. And so I think the learning lesson for us is like, which risk do we want to take right now? And, and you know, how do we push forward just right now? Because we knew, I mean, we, we knew going into it what this the risks totally were. totally different. We basically just like I mean, it's a thing. risk to do a freaking outside event, totally. period, in and of totally. itself. Like, yeah. if we keep this up, we're, we're going to get rained out at some point. Yeah, totally. So so then here's where I want to move the conversation. My third question is what does recovery from failure look like? How do we how do you recover, you know, from failure? Because I think the first step for me is can I definitely throw off the shame identity? Can I identify the lies that I'm entertaining? Um, that would keep me stuck because if I stay stuck, if you stay stuck, like we don't move, right? We, we, we have to get back up. We have to say, okay, all right, no, this isn't who we are. This is what we did. This is what we tried. We made some mistakes. We had some failures, but how do we come back stronger? You know? So what does that recovery look like for you? I think for me, it, it, one of two things can happen is I can start believing things, having conversations in my head or putting words into people's mouths about me mm. or ways in which I failed that are just completely false totally, because they're non-existent. Mm -hmm. And so one of the ways that I think I heal from failure is having conversations like yesterday mm -hmm. where, yeah, it's, it's humbling and mm -hmm. yeah, there's some questions that, you know, I didn't, necessarily want to answer, or maybe I disagreed with his input, mm -hmm. but I can still walk away from it and go, okay, he didn't like A, B, and C, mm -hmm. but he still believes in who we are mm -hmm. and what we're doing and that this is not the nail in our coffin. Mm -hmm. And I think it's easy to believe that that failure is the nail in your coffin. Mm -hmm. And so you can chase that rabbit if you don't sit down with people. Mm -hmm the ones who are, agree with you, 
and the ones who disagree with you and have mm-hmm. those conversations. And so, you know, uh, we, we had, we had a couple of those conversations yesterday yeah. and those were healing, even yeah. though they were, yeah, I heard it was way too loud <laughs> or I heard this and it's like, oh, oh, I know. But it's like, oh, but they still love us. They still, yeah. the failures that, that are in my eye about Wild Torch do not affect or, or they don't make our work with the women no. and the men that we do here a failure. Right. It just means we're going to have to work a little bit extra harder to raise money. Yeah. Because we didn't raise enough money that right. we needed to. But if that's it. Yeah. Okay. I'm up to that challenge. Yeah. Right. And I think the responsibility sometimes is where I can get trapped. So recovery looks like, for me, um, it looks like surrendering responsibility in in a healthy way. Not that I'm not responsible to the organization, but I'm not responsible. I'm not responsible for everything. I'm not. I'm not responsible for everything, and I actually get in trouble if I try to be responsible for everything and mm-hmm. for everyone. I don't. I don't seek enough input. I don't get enough advice. I don't. I move too independently, or um, I'm not naming kind of what I need or, or the questions I'm having. So, so I think for me. In, in this period, I'm like, I'm letting go. I'm like, okay, letting go as I move forward. Yeah. You know, what's now what's the solution? So I can tap into kind of some problem solving, you know, mode, which is very good for me to do instead of sitting in like despair right. and woe is when, me. And, and you love and you're very good at. I will say this. I think at the end of the day, at the end of every failure, every failure, and I mean from top to bottom, mm-hmm. every failure, You've got to resolve that it does not have to define who you are. Right. The men that I work with in Stop Demand School Mm -hmm. who have made some of the biggest moral failures in Mm -hmm. our community, Mm -hmm. right? They tried to buy people for sex. Mm -hmm. That does not have to define them. Right. It's it's a moment and it's a choice they made. But at the end of every class, I look at all of them Mm -hmm. and say, this doesn't have to define you. Right. And I think at every moment of failure, we can stop and go, okay, I really miffed this up bad, mm-hmm. but I'm not defined by it. Mm-hmm. I might be marred by it. Mm-hmm. I might have a scar on myself from it, but I'm not identified by it. It's not who I am. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's super important. Yeah, it, it is. And so I guess... Our encouragement to ourselves and our encouragement to, it's the same as we are encouraging women who have struggled with addiction or who have gone in and out of the commercial sex industry or who have gone back to abusive relationships or who've not accomplished what they've wanted to accomplish in life or have tried to start their own business and it's slower starting than they wanted to or they didn't get get the micro loan the first time they pitched, you know? Right. The thing that we keep telling them is harness your power. Where is your power? Who are you? And what does God ask you to do right now, right in this moment? Like that to me is where is my power coming from? Because if I give it away to this failure, if I give all my power to defeat, I never rise up again. Mm. I never get back up. But if I can say, oh, well, that took a, li- <laughs> took a little out of me, learning how to take some punches here. But like 
there is a flame still inside me, an engine that is still burning that I know I have power and I can choose and tap into that and get back up again. So that is our encouragement to every person. Leadership is not without failure. Starting something is not without failure. You guys know this. Friendships aren't without, aren't without failure. Intimacy is not without failure in marriage and parenting. And Ooh, that could be a whole, just a whole nother discussion. Yeah, yeah. So define it, put language around it, learn what you need to from it, but get back up and keep going because really the world needs you fully alive and people need people who know how to fail well. I feel like we need to cue that song. I get knocked down, but I get up again. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Remember that song? Not the song, but getting back up again is indeed so good. So we hope you've enjoyed this podcast. We really hope you continue to tune in, share us, like us, leave us a review, find us on Instagram. Tell us your stories of failure. Ooh, you can that'd be email good. us, um, Brett, two T's or Emily at Jesus said love.com. Um, yeah, drop us a line. Slide into our DMs and let us have a you message. Keep, that's so not well, what that means. Well, that's what the kids are saying these no, days. No, that's not what that means. Anyway. Is it bad? Yes. Are you serious? Totally. It's sending nudes, I think. Yeah, don't send us nudes. <laughs> not <laughs> yes, interested in your D-pics. Okay. <laughs> didn't know. Seriously, didn't know. Sliding into a DMs is bad. I, I say that all the time. I've got to stop saying that. That's why people, that's why our <laughs> staff is like, you're, no, quit. Yes. I'm a failure. Nope. (laughs) Just a fail in the lingo. It's okay. You'll change your language, you know? It'll be good. I love you. I love you too. And don't forget, as always, to share the love. Hey, thanks for joining the Jesus Said Love podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to awaken hope and empower change with us. We want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review Yes, because your voice matters. It's how we get this message into the world. And lastly, be sure to follow Jesus Said Love on Instagram and Facebook for up-to-date info and visit the website at JesusSaidLove.com for how you can join the JSL fam. Until next time. Share the love. <laughs>